Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Today um, I'm going to be starting the part two of our series called Beautiful Attitudes. And last week we started this, uh, there are seven Beatitudes, we're doing a seven so eight Beatitudes, we're doing a seven-part series um, over this course of seven weeks. And um, we basically, these are called the Beatitudes. These are foundational teachings of Jesus. Jesus uh, taught these as his first opening, if you like, public teaching. It's part of the, the wider teaching called the Sermon of the Mount, found in Matthew chapters 5 to 7. And it's deeply challenging teaching. We cannot, as Christians, read this teaching without sort of finding it challenging to our very core. If you're like me a little bit, you'd be tempted to gloss over some of the verses, but we can't do that because Jesus said them. So this, this series is aimed particularly at those of us that might call ourselves Christians here today. So if you're not yet a Christian, you're not yet got a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you, you have permission to be let off the hook today, but you've got permission to lean in and see what sort of things Christians will be challenged at by his very words. And uh, these Beatitudes or beautiful attitudes, if you like, how to be attitudes. There's eight of them and they're deeply challenging. Last week we, we looked at attitudes. What is an attitude? And an attitude always begins with a thought. A thought can be a good thought, it can be a bad thought, it could just be a crazy thought, whatever it is. And thoughts always begin in our heads, don't they? And we have an opportunity there and then, if it's a bad thought, to think, well, I'm not going to think that anymore. But sometimes, if you're a bit like me, I don't always do that, or I forget to do it. And I start to do what it says next, is meditate on that thought. And sometimes if we meditate on thoughts, let's say it's a bad thought. Let's say it's a thought that says, oh, Dave, you're rubbish. Dave, you're not very good at blank, fill in the blanks. And as we meditate on that thought, then that can lead to a decision that says, no, Dave, you really are very good at that. No, I'm not very good at that. Therefore, I make a decision to that leads to action, action or inaction. Maybe it's like, let's say, for example, I start to believe that I'm not very good with people. Then I would never volunteer to go on the welcome team, would I? Because I'm not very good with people. In fact, when I talk to people, people cry. So I'm never going to go on the welcome team. I'm never going to volunteer for that. And that leads to a continued action. And continued action, therefore, leads to a habit. But notice how it always starts with a single thought that we meditate. And once we've got a continued habit, that then becomes an attitude, that, that in-ground way of thinking in our lives. But then the cycle continues, because habits lead to attitudes. Attitudes, therefore, lead to new thoughts. And it, so it can continue. It's the life cycle of an attitude. And here's the definition of an attitude. It's a mode of believing that results in a manner behaving. A mode of believing that results in a manner behaving. Or if you like, what I believe affects how I behave and what I will become. What I believe affects how I behave and what I will believe, what I will become. If you like, Believing, behaving, becoming. For good or for bad. 
And the great thing is, Jesus was teaching these eight different attitudes that are deeply challenging to us as, as Christians. And we might have some wrong attitudes or some attitudes or some habits, ways of behaving that we need to undo. But the good thing is, we can do it. We can realign our thinking to God's way of thinking. We can start acting differently. But this is no self-help class. We cannot do it by ourselves. Your best effort, think about your best effort. Think about your New Year's resolutions. How long do they last? But your best effort won't do it. We need God's help. And the beauty of the Christian life is with God's help, God helps to unravel how we've thought, how we've behaved in the past, and there's always a new day, amen? There's always a future. There's always a, a present going into a new, new you. We are constantly becoming and growing, as the Bible says, in the glory and image of God. Okay, I'm going to have to rely on you guys at the back because it's not working. Thank you. So, as Chris Spicer, a, a, a Bible teacher that comes from around this, the Midlands, said, to break the habit of a lifetime is possible. Turn to your neighbour, tell them it's possible. Give them a nudge. It is possible. That mindset that refuses to move beyond the well-worn tracks of old thinking can be changed by your own ideas. Can be changed by self-help. Can be changed by the power of positive thinking. No. Can be changed by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. It's possible, church, for you and I to change the way we think and to change the way we behave and therefore change how and who we're becoming by God's help. Isn't that good news today? So we're going to look at that first one we looked at last, last week. The first... Um, thank you. That's great. Guys, we're going to say thank you. Just move on. Brilliant. And this was the... This was the um, the idea we thought about last week. Remember, last week we looked at the first um, beautiful attitude, or beatitude, the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And if you like, this is base camp. This is what everything, all the remaining seven attitudes are founded on. And it comes with this idea that dependence and interdependence will alter your attitude and change your character. Dependence and interdependence will alter your attitude and change your character. And it all stems from that sense of, as Christians, we are but totally dependent upon God. If you try and live the Christian life in your own strength, you won't be able to. Because, like me, you've read the remaining seven Beatitudes. And you've read, maybe, all of the Sermon on the Mount. As challenging as it is. So it becomes that place of dependence upon God that says, God, I need you. To live this life, I need God. That is not a weakness. That's putting our trust in the divine being. Father God, who created the world. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Putting our trust and our dependence upon him and him alone. But also, it's having an interdependence upon not just anyone, but other believers. Because believe it or not, God uses other Christians to help us in our journeys of becoming more like Jesus. 
becoming more godlike, more Christ-like. So he shifts our emphasis from becoming independent because when we're born, we're independent. We're independent of God. We don't need anyone else. And all we think about is ourselves, me, my, and I. And he, through the work of the cross and believing in God and trusting in him, he then shifts a dependence onto God and an interdependence, a need, a co-need of other people. We're called the church because the church is the people and we can't do life without other people. We need each other. And part of your mission in life is to knock off the rough edges on me. And part of your, my mission in life is to knock off the rough edges on you. Yeah. It's not very nice, and sometimes it's painful, but that is family, isn't it? That is family. So that's where we looked at last night, the poor in spirit. <laughs> Great, thank you. And uh, so we're just going to read these um, Beatitudes out together. Now, some people say, is it um, blessed or is it blessed? Well, I'll let you decide. You use the word that you want to use. But let's read this out together. Okay, these are the Beatitudes. After three. One, two, three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thank you. Brilliant. So there we are. And today we should be going on to the second beatitude, or second beautiful attitude, which is blessed are those who mourn. But I'm going to leave that for Rob for next week. Okay? And the reason, the reason being is today I'm looking at that third beatitude, which is blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And believe, believe it or not, it will tie in nicely with some of the great stories we heard today about relationships, married life, struggles, and how God can help us in that. Thank you. So we're going to see how this underpins. So number one, the first beatitude, poor in spirit, is about dependence on God and interdependence on his, pe- his people. Now on top of that, which we'll hear more about next week, is blessed are those who, who mourn. That's about mourning over sin or things that we do wrong. It's about a spiritual sensitivity to God. And then... What we're going to look at today is the meek, living under God's control. But if you're like me, I'm sure many of you are, not necessarily with the hair colour, but when we're reading the Bible. If you're a Christian you read the Bible, do you ever, let's be honest, do you ever gloss over certain verses? Let's be honest. You read a verse and either you don't understand it or you think, does that really mean that? Oh, that's a bit difficult. I'm going to just read the next bit. 
If we're honest, I'm sure many of us do it. But this was Jesus' kingdom manifesto. This is the first teaching. He's like, this is what it is to be a Christian, people. And so his opening gambit, his opening few uh, words were these beautiful attitudes. The third being, blessed are the meek. Blessed means to be envied, fortunate, happy. It means you're going to receive something. Blessed are the meek, for theirs is, for they will um, inherit the earth. And I don't like that, if I'm honest with you. I don't like the word meek. I look at the word meek, and as a guy, everything within me, in my cultural understanding, says, I don't like that. Because to me, the word meek talks of weakness. And I, as a guy, don't want to be, to be weak. Everything in my culture, everything in my understanding, as a guy, wants to be strong. I want to be strong for my family. I want to be strong for my children. I want to be strong in the workplace. I don't want to be weak. Men, can you identify with that? Weakness. And I, understand, I read that, blessed are the weak, and I struggle with it. And, I, and that's, if I'm honest, is one of the verses, which is why I'm, I'm talking about it today, because I can't get away from it. I would rather gloss over it. But we have to unpack what Jesus meant by it. And the thought is this, meekness is not weakness, but strength under control. Meekness is not weakness, but it's strength under control. And I wonder if you've been like me in that, in the sense of, well, you read that and you think, well, I'd rather gloss over it. And you think maybe husbands or wives in your marriage, I don't want to be weak. I want to be a source of strength. And when I'm arguing, not if, when we have a disagreement with our spouse or our partner, when, how do we react do we think about this verse? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. No. And I wouldn't say that to Leanne when we're arguing. Be meek to me. She'd probably take the Bible verse and hit me on the head with it. In your workplaces, let's say you've got a boss that is giving you a hard time. God, you wanted me to be weak in this situation? How can I be weak in this situation? Because he's given me a hard time. Think about your family, your wider family, your sons, your daughters, your cousins, your aunts, your aunties, your neighbours. God is asking you and I to be meek. What does that really mean? What does that really mean? As think about meekness is... It's about, first of all, you, you and I before God. Now, let's be honest. Who finds it easy to say God, to tell God how they feel? Who finds it easy to tell God how they feel? God, you know, I've messed up. I, I find that quite easy. God, I've messed up. God, I'm sorry I, you know, I didn't do that for Leanne, or I'm sorry I, I messed I think if we're honest, we can find a place where, whether it's a, a simple prayer or thought to God, God, I'm, I'm sorry about that. We can be honest before God. The problem is being honest before other Christians. Let's say, for example, 
another Christian comes up to you and says to you, Dave, I don't like that sin in your life. Dave, that attitude. Dave, you need to work at that. Imagine it's you. The very prayer you might have prayed to God and someone, a well-meaning Christian, has said that to you face to face, it's less easy to take, isn't it? Because of a whole host of things, one of them being pride. Dr. Lloyd-Jones, amazing theologian, said this, Meekness is essentially a true view of oneself, expressing itself in attitude and conduct with respect for others. The man who is truly meek is the one who is truly amazed what God and man can think of him as well as they do and treat him as well as they do. So meekness is understanding that people can think of you better than what you think they should and treat you better than what you think they should do. Because meekness is about humility. It's about having a humble heart before God and also outworking that for other people. If you like, it's not a I know it all attitude. True meekness can allow perhaps those closest to us to say, Dave, have a think about that. Have a think about that attitude. Have a think about what you do in that situation. And it's hard to take, isn't it? But that's true meekness. Thank you. Another definition by an author called Scott Evans said this, the meek are those who possess the power and strength that is bridled by their heart and character. The meek are those who possess the power and strength that is bridled by their heart and character. It's interesting because when I look at the word meek in the Bible, when I really get to the, the, the root of the New Testament word, word, it gives us some indications, it gives us like humility. But the word is really used in domesticating animals. So when you take a, a wild animal and domesticate it, it's when you, that animal becomes meek. Think about a wild horse. When you put a a bridle around its mouth with a bit in its mouth and reins, it is a meek horse. That powerful horse has been suddenly come under control. Meekness is not weakness. It is strength under control. It is strength that has been bridled. It's that strength that has been reined in. Men, when we think about meekness no longer think about weakness but think about strength under control the problem is in our culture a synonym in the dictionary of meekness is weakness an antonym or the opposite of of meekness is strength so therefore we think in our culture meekness equals weakness it doesn't it's actually a phantom it's actually a, got a different meaning to what we think it means and it means strength under control and it takes someone that is fully under control hey I'm not there are you fully under control with God's help 
to be able to handle different things in life. And this isn't a pick and mix, eight Beatitudes. Oh, I like that one, but I wouldn't have that one. God wants us to be growing in all eight of these areas. And the area of our meekness. If you like, strength under control. Under whose control? Remember, it goes back to the first one. Dependency on God. Under God's control. God, help me in this area. But meekness is all to do with how teachable you and I are. How teachable we are. Psalm 62, verse 11 and 12. I love this. It says this. God, I have heard you say two things. One is that you, you God, are strong. The other is that you, Lord, are loving. One of my challenges is I love Christmas. I know Christmas has come and gone. I love Christmas. But I don't know about you, but when you read, sing some of the carols, and you see, sing some of the lyrics of the carols, do they seem a little bit... That doesn't make sense. Or is that really what Jesus was like? So I think, sing the carol, um, Silent Night, and this line in the carol goes, Holy infant, so tender and mild. And I'm trying to equate what I see in the Bible, what Jesus did and said with a baby that was tender and mild. And it doesn't always make the greatest of sense. Away in a manger, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Well, I don't know about you, but in our household, certainly when the kids were babies, there was a lot of crying. Are you really telling me, author of that, that carol, that Jesus in the manger, in the, in the rough and raidness of that manger, never cried? I don't believe it for a minute. If he was fully human. And then, to top it all, once in World David City, Christian children all should be mild, obedient, good as he. I'm going to tell that one to Daniel later. And I'm thinking Jesus. Jesus was like amazing. He showed absolute strength. When he upturned the tables in the, in the, um, the temple, it wasn't a rage of uncon- uncontrolled anger. The previous day he was looking at the temple. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And his act of upturning the temple was for the people, not against the people. On the cross, hanging there, absolute strength. He could have got down, but it took strength to keep him there for you and I to have a relationship with him. And the Psalm 62 says, go back please. Psalm 62 says, one is, one is that you, God, are strong. The other is that you, Lord, are loving. And God is strong, but also God is loving. And if God was all but strong, strong only, and not loving, he'd be brutal. He'd be brutal. A strong God with no love. No mercy. Um, various leaders over history who have been strong. Hitler, strong. Brutal. And if God was all loving and not strong, how can that help? But God is strong and loving. And meekness requires the two. 
With just strength, we can have brutality. With just love, it's like a sentimentality with no strength. But the two together is a God that loves you and I and has got the power to back it up. And God wants us to be people that under that God, all-powerful, all-loving, knowing that we can depend on a God just like that, that we can be meek. We can have strength under control. Thank you. Meekness is not weakness, but it's strength under control. So what can we learn about this? To grow in meekness, and it is a journey of growth. It's not like one day you're going to be fully fully there, fully teachable, 100% meek. It's a journey that God uses in our lives. We grow in it. And God uses people, remember that interdependence of others, to knock off our rough edges and cause us to be... And sometimes you'll have, you'll have maybe a situation, even at work, where you've got a tyrant or a boss, and you just coming under them and being teachable to them, even though they're not necessarily the best, is you being teachable and growing in meekness. So number one, what can we, you and I do? To grow in meekness, you must surrender your rights to God. Did you know that when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have no rights? What? I don't want to be a Christian. But this is where the God that is all-powerful, all-strong, but also all-loving comes in. Because if he's all-loving, he's got you and I best interests at heart. So if he loves you and I, he wants the best and wants your life to be a success. So therefore, the question is, can you surrender to such a God? Not just by asking God, I want a relationship with you, but whatever it takes, whatever he says, will you do it? Surrender your rights to God. Number two, submit your life to the master's reins. So it comes from surrender. When God says do something, will you do it? When God says go here or stay here or go there, it's a bit like the, the horse with the, the bridle and the bit in his mouth and the reins. And he tugs. And he feels you need to go that way. But God, I don't want to go that way. It's too hard. It's too much of a challenge. But do that. I don't want to do that. But if we say, God, okay, you know best. The outcome will be okay. That's you growing in meekness and you surrendering and you submitting to him. And finally, share. Share your life with God and man without reaction. And this is hard. This is hard. Husbands and wives, this is hard. Without reaction. And I know what's going to happen. Next time you have a disagreement in your marriage, you might think, like, ah, you shouldn't react like that. But you shouldn't react like that. You should be meek. Sharing your life with God and man without reaction. When God asks you to do something, do it without reaction. And you'll find that as you intentionally think, God, I need your help in this area. I've got a pattern in my life of always reacting like this. A habit. But God, with, with God's help, you can change the way you react and you respond. And you can start... You can start to stop reacting 
and to start responding. Responding in a way that God would have you to respond. Surrender, submit and share. Three ways that you can grow in meekness. The reality is meekness is a complete awareness of who we are before God. We realise, don't we, deep down, that we are made of the dust. And we will return to the dust. Unless Jesus comes before we die. We are but dust. And somehow in it all, we, we get this, sometimes this illusion in our, our minds that we're better than what we think. But we're not. Are we? We're not. Our very best is nothing compared to what God can do. And we need each other. And we need God. And we've got to keep that humility. Judah of Norwich in the 14th century said this, in our eyes, we are always falling. <laughs> in our eyes, we're always falling. In God's eyes, we are always standing. Both are true, but God has the greater insight. Meekness says, be aware of your faults. Be aware of your shortcomings. Keep short records with God. But be strong in God. Be strong. Stand. Don't stay in a place of, I'm not worthy, I'm no good. Rise up. Be the man and the woman that God has called you to be. Not with a big head, but just with humility, because you're under his control. If the living God lives in you, that is pure strength. That's also love. That also demands you to stop reacting certain ways, start responding in certain ways, start doing your duty. But live as strength under control. And just imagine if today, as an individual and collectively as a church, we made a decision. God, help me today to be more teachable, to be more meek, not weak, to be strong in you. Help me. Just imagine what difference your life could make to those around you. In your neighbourhoods, workplaces, families. In your relationships. Maybe you've had a time in your relationship where you just... It's just friction all the time. But God can help you. Because he wants to teach you and me to be different. Because he knows. All we need to know is ask the maker for his instructions. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this subject of, of being teachable, of, of being meek, which is strength under control. And it is hard, God. It's not easy. It is hard. And I ask for every single one of us here today, and listening on podcasts and the sound of my voice, that you would help us, Lord, to, to grow in this area, to be more teachable to you. That maybe in our relationships, as things come up and issues come up, help us to learn, to grow, and to develop. Thank you that this is so important to you, because those at one authority must be under authority. So I pray for all my friends here today that you would help us all to make a decision to be, to grow in this area, to be stronger in this area, not to be weak, but to be strong, but completely teachable. And when areas come up which 
affect us and we want to react. Help us to be strong to respond. In Jesus' name. Blessed I pray. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.